Welcome to the Mystic and the Skeptic. Today we have a special show. In this week's show, we present the study of Abraham Joshua Heschel's most important book called The Heavenly Torah. The civil rights activist who walked with Martin Luther King and Selma wrote a series of books on Jewish mysticism and tradition, which are relevant to our current state of affairs. In the wake of the most gruesome attack on Jewish Americans last week in Pittsburgh at the Tree of Life Synagogue, we must strive to understand these members of our society. At a time when Jews are maligned by politicians, Middle East activists, and white supremacists, I would like to present this to inform our audience about the intellectual and religious heritage of the Jewish people. I will share how the concept described in Judaism enrich our overall American culture and serve as an anchor to the two other major religions. Hopefully this presentation will educate and induce a level of respect for the spiritual ancestors of both Christians and Muslims, the historical community known as the Israelites, Hebrews, or modern-day Jews. The book I will be discussing, Torah Min Hashamayim in Hebrew, serves as an introduction to Judaism and its commandments, ordinances, and instructions. Heschel discusses in his heavenly Torah spiritual terms which relate to the ways humans are connected to God. He provides ways to interpret and understand the concepts that are important in Judaism and the tension between different approaches that the Jewish people have had towards scripture throughout the centuries. I hope you enjoy our show. Abraham Joshua Heschel's uh, magnum opus is called The Heavenly Torah. And the reason that we're discussing this book in particular is that it was a very special book for me. I wrote a book about the prophets, and in that book, I quote Heschel regarding his view of the way that, that God communicates to, to people. And what's interesting is that he doesn't give you everything all packaged into a little uh, box or like ready to go. He gives you many different ideas and you're supposed to put them together. And that's the one thing that I see in a lot of people who are um, novices to Judaism is that they want some type of dogmatic uh, all-encompassing answer to all their questions. And Judaism is a very intellectual religion that, that struggles with life, that struggles with uh, the questions of existence. Um, why are we here? What's our purpose in life? And there's many views and there's many streams of Judaism. If anybody tells you that whatever you're doing or whatever you believe is outside of mainstream Judaism, they are giving you a narrow perspective of what Judaism is. There are major points that are a major things that the Jews agree on, but there's so many different ways to look at things and so many ways to interpret and understand uh, Holy Scripture as well as Jewish law and practice, which not only comes from Jewish Scripture or Holy Scripture or the Jewish uh, Scriptures or, or called Tanakh or Hebrew Bible. They come from the traditions that have been passed down through the centuries that have become codified in the Mishnah and in the and later in the Talmud with all the different discussions and debates about how to implement these uh, practices. And then in the codes through Maimonides and uh, Joseph Caro with the Shachan Aruch. So the Heavenly Torah uh, is in one sense an introduction to Jewish thought, but it's also um, an amalgamation of the two major trends of, of thinking in Judaism. One is the rational and the other one is the mystical. And the reason that's important is because I keep seeing videos on YouTube where they just dismiss everything mystical and they say, well, we're rationals. 
we follow Maimonides and the Mishneh Torah, and we don't want to hear any Kabbalah or any spirituality of any kind. We just follow strictly the codes and Jewish law. And then on the other hand, you have people who are super mystical, super uh, almost like charismatic in their thinking, and that um, they, they're they doing the thing that I believe both the early uh, followers of Jesus and the Hasidic movement were um, accused of, whereas they're, they're putting their personal revelations and their mystical experiences uh, above Jewish law and above uh, religious obligations to the covenant of Sinai. If you do that, then it's easy to dismiss uh, different groups and say that they are uh, lunatics or they have lost all sense of direction because they are so immersed in, in spirituality that they can't make sense of uh, their relationship with God and the Jewish people. So as we uh, read this book and share uh, my commentary on it, we're going to... We, we are able to discuss um, how you know, pulling from one side or the other can be problematic and how if you, if you understand both, you can have a more holistic understanding of Judaism. And, and for some people say, well, why learn about Judaism? Well, this class is geared for people from a multicultural background, including crypto-Jews, Anosim, or Conversos. But I also want to build a bridge for, with people who come from a... Um, Western perspective. And the reason I say Western is because I don't want to offend anybody, but Judaism is actually Middle Eastern and has become Western through time and, and through the different migrations. But it, the Middle Eastern think, way of thinking is different than the common um, Greco-Roman way of thinking. And that's very challenging for a lot of people because it's hard to read the Talmud. It's hard to understand uh, the Mishnah and the Jewish sources because it's not a linear type of understanding of the world or the universe. It's, it's a kind of, it's a web of, of ideas that you process through and that you kind of chew on. And that can be very confusing and that can be very discouraging for a lot of people. So people who have been trained in both um, Jewish and Western perspectives, such as uh, Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel, can help us build, bridge the gap and to come to a greater understanding of these concepts. So the Heavenly Torah was written in three volumes, and uh, one was done pos posthumously, like after uh, Rabbi Heschel died. So now we have the complete thing. It's uh, 800 pages. And uh, for most people, it's like, why would I want to read 800 pages of <laughs> uh, very complicated uh, Jewish theology and practice? Well, this can build a foundation to understand uh, how uh, precious, how involved, how um, how rich is Jewish tradition. And then it can also give you a, a, a sense of how to move forward uh, as an individual or as, uh, as teaching our children. Uh, you know, it says that we should teach our children uh, Torah every day. And in Jewish uh, perspective, Torah is not just interpretation of the Bible or the, or the five books of Moses. Torah is all of Jewish tradition, um, which is seen as a whole. But the, the, the premise of the book is that we're trying to deal with two different uh, concepts. One, it says that Torah is in heaven, that we cannot reach it, that, that God's um, 
perspective or worldview is above ours, so it's, it's transcendent. And the other one is that Torah is not too far away for us to achieve it. So that's the God is imminent. So we can practice and live Torah every day, or we can um, be at all for how precious God's um, thoughts are. But that's that's the challenge that humans are both, um, you know, as as higher than angels and as low as as animals. So that's how does God communicate with humanity is through His Torah. Um, the book is complicated because it was translated by three different individuals and they were trying to uh, not only use the vernacular, but they were also trying to understand the Hebrew that Rabbi Heschel uh, used. And there's a lot of play on words. There's a lot of um, kind of specific things that he does. So there's a lot of commentary on the translation as well. And uh, the one thing that, that, that jumped um, to me was um, how there's those two important things that we need to keep in mind, and it's both the Judaism cannot be um, separated from mysticism. And the reason I say that is because it's a revelatory religion. So we have the creation of the world, we have the revelation of Sinai. All of those are acts of God. And if you say I'm a rational person, you can try to explain away those and say that there's a rational explanation for all these things, but then the miraculous loses its power. And then on the other hand, there's this idea that the truth of God is the truth that we can relate to. So both Maimonides, St. Augustine, and Aristotle believe that all truth is God's truth. So if all truth is God's truth, then what we're trying to understand, both revelation, nature, and existence uh, it's all within uh, God's uh, framework or, or on or uh, worldview so um, that connects to in my eyes to the idea of spiritual connection to God and physical manifestation of the commandments so if you are mystical and you think that as long as you love God in your heart everything's fine then you only get part of the blessing that comes from serving God and then if you're rational and all that you want to do is follow the commandments perfectly and, and be part of the guidebook to living, then you're missing the, the blessing from having a spiritual connection and the kavanah or intention that comes behind the commandments. So again, it goes back to having a holistic uh, worldview. Um, and then... Um, so there, there's an interesting uh, passage that says, one who removes God from the community has denied the very essence of faith. And so it goes back to, to my uh, non-disclosed debate with the YouTuber who says that um, Jews are like atheists. They don't need uh, to even talk about God's nature or God's, like they don't need to discuss Jewish theology. Because Jewish theology is of no importance to Judaism. What's important is uh, governmental re uh, responsibilities. Well, if that's the case, then you you forget the heart of God. The heart of God is for him. He wants to connect with us. Is God searching for man, like uh, Heschel said in one of his books? 
And the way that he connects with us is through his revelation, through his scripture, through the leadership of the rabbis, through our understanding of, of his person. And I know that's, that might not sound Jewish enough, but it's the idea that God is, is a God you can relate to. It's a personal God. So then if God is a, is, is a clockmaker that just created the universe and gave us a Torah and then bail out on us, then we are, are losing the, the connection. And here it says that if you re- remove God from the community, then you have denied the essence of faith. So faith in Judaism is, like in other religions would say, a relationship with God. And that relationship with God is maintained through our daily commitment, through his principles, which are laid out in the Torah. Right now I'm on, on page uh, 25 of the, the preface uh, in the acknowledgments. In page 25, it has a note from Rivka Horwitz in the bottom. Um, it's the one, two, three, fourth paragraph. It says, what are these matters? Perhaps the most central of Heschel's dyads comprises the imminent theology he associates with Rabbi Akiva and the transcendent theology he associates with Rabbi Ishmael. In the book that I wrote about the prophets, um, which was inspired by the the prophetic uh, book from Heschel, I have Heschel versus Maimonides. And the reason that I I put them against each other is because they're similar. Um, Rabbi Akiva has an imminent theology or God is, is, you know, very near. And that's how Heschel discusses the prophetic uh, visions and experiences. And then Maimonides uh, is, has this transcendent theology that is similar to Rabbi Ishmael in the Talmud, whereas God is far away or he's so big that it's difficult for us to comprehend him. So I, so I take that, that framework from this book and apply them to Heschel and Maimonides and I believe both of them have a lot of interesting stuff to say about uh, prophecy, and including how did prophecy uh, get uh, actualized in the lives of the Hebrew prophets, and, and is there even room for modern-day prophecy? Uh, that's a debate with a lot of Christian groups. Where they say that prophecy is still ongoing, and that prophecy is, um, is happening, and not only uh, utterances from God, but also... Uh, predictions about the future and miracles and things like that, that according to one strand of Judaism, that stopped uh, with the last prophet, Malachi. But then you see in in the Talmud that rabbis have some type of um, visions and, 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 and apparitions and things like that, and then that they have uh, the ability to perform miracles. So the, all those are prophetic gifts. And then later in the Hasidim, you see the same thing where you have people uh, flying from one town to another, where they have some type of visions where they go to heaven and they speak to Mashiach or they speak to the angels. So as much as it says the prophecy is over, there's still prophetic or visionary things that happen. You can say, well, they're not to the level of the holy prophets of the Tanakh, but they're still within that, that perspective. And Heschel sometimes goes as far to say that anything that is poetic or artistic coming from, from the Jewish community has a, a, some type of prophetic aspect to it. But um, Maimonides is, is, uh, is more rational in that, and, and he sees that a lot of the prophetic stuff were dreams or they were 
uh, allegories, and that you don't you can't take uh, all the predictions and things uh, to the T like a lot of groups do. Um, in the next um, uh, page that I'm looking at, um, this is 27 of the preface. Uh, it says that God's empathy and vulnerability, uh, he associates that with Rabbi Akiva. This is at the bottom. Um, so one of the main components of Heschel's theology, and again, you have to look at it, is there's many Jewish theologies. There's not just one. The one that he uh, connects to and the one that he describes comes from his uh, the dynastic uh, group that he was part of. He, he was raised by Hasidim in Poland. So now you have um, him trying to convey that experience to modern audiences. And uh, his main concept was that God had a pathos. And that um, I'm still trying to understand. Uh, I don't know that much Greek or, or Latin, but it's God's um, like connection and his um, kind of like his spirit um, and an emotional um, presence. Uh, and that's what he wanted to convey with uh, his book on the prophets and other things. He makes that case that the Judaism is non-dogmatic. Uh, he says um, that Heschel offers a path for achieving faith as Jews by creating a synthesis out of competing impulses. So like I was saying, you have multiple ideas in Judaism that some people might see as contradictions. How can God be imminent and transcendent? How can we um, have a, a religion that is not only about believing, but also about doing? Like, it's very complicated and a lot to take in. But now getting to the actual nitty-gritty of the, the book, the introduction, is titled Human Ways and Divine Ways. The Torah stands on a dual foundation on Halakha and Agadah. Rabbi Hrano Gutierrez uh, talks a lot about Halakha, and he feels that a Jewish identity is, should be based on Jewish law. And the three components of Jewish law are family purity, um, Shabbat, and, um, and Kashrut. So everybody who is building a Jewish identity should be uh, abstaining from relations during the week after uh, a woman's menstruation. Uh, they should keep uh, all the laws of Shabbat, uh, like not driving and not cooking and things like that. And they should um, eat kosher, buy kosher food, kosher their kitchen. Uh, that's a lot for people to take upon, especially if they're not familiar with it. But if you like the Hasidim, if you see every mitzvah as um, bringing the the broken husks of holiness together, if you see it as, a, as an ethereal, spiritual thing, it becomes more empowering. It becomes more beautiful. And then every time you do a mitzvah, you're raising the level of holiness or kedusha in your life, and you're also connecting with a with a deeper sense of, of understanding of God then that can be a, a sense of encouragement. But if you just say, you know, you got to keep all these these rules, it, that's that's a lot for people to process and for them to feel encouraged to do that. So the Hasidim um, have this concept of Devekut, where you're clinging to God. And as you cling to God, you're repairing the world, and you're also 
manifesting God's uh, presence on everything that you do. And uh, it's also called Kiddush uh, Hashem. You're sanctifying God's name by keeping his commandments. And by not keeping his commandments, you're committing Hilul Hashem, which is desecrating God's name. So, so it's been given this mystical aspect and makes it more worthwhile because now you feel like you're participating in creation. And um, my uh, professor who studied under Heschel, he will always talk about how we're co-creators with God and that, you know, it says that God renews the world anew every day, but also that we have the ability to create uh, a better place for all of us. And the more holy things that we do, the, the more we sanctify time and we sanctify the world uh, representing God. Um, he describes in the notes on this introduction on page one that uh, halacha is those parts of Torah which are not only the Pentateuch or the, the, the five books of Moses in the original, but also the body or original teaching that is oral contained in the Talmud and the Midrash, uh, which are all in legal in nature. This is uh, number one on the notes. So uh, if you look through the whole body of Jewish um, tradition, only the things that are legal, and again, you, you have to look at, at Israel as a nation or the Jewish people as a nation. People, when you say Israel, they might think you're talking about the modern state, but I'm talking about the children of Israel or uh, Kalal Israel, the, the Jewish people. There's this idea that if you have a nation, you have to have a constitution. The Torah is the constitution, and all the other works are kind of like the, the legal treatises on different subjects. So a lot of them talk about things that have nothing to do with modern-day Jews, such as laws regarding the temple. But all those principles are part of the greater understanding of how to live our lives. So there's, there's a guide that, that involves codifying all that. And then Agadah is the parts of Torah, written or oral, they are narrative in nature. Narrative, the best linguistic equivalent of Agadah, here is meant to include also purported biography, theology, exhortation, and folklore. So now, to me, uh, this is very important because most, uh, you know, the religious people that we know of in America are, are people who are, uh, in the negative, they're seen as Bible beaters or um, scripturalists or sola scriptura kind of people, they can make an argument just based on biblical passages. Well, in Judaism, you can't do that because biblical passages um, don't have the same weight as legal passages. And what I'm saying is, like, there are biblical passages that are legal, but since the structure has already been implemented, there's already judges. Uh, these are dayanim, or rabbis who have uh, higher knowledge than a regular rabbi. A rabbi is not only a teacher, but it's a legal adjudicator. You have a system of, of um, it's like a Supreme Court made up of, of rabbis, and they're looking at the Constitution that is the Torah, at the different legal works and uh, encyclicals, and they're making um, informed decisions about how people live their lives. Well, that cannot be challenged or dismissed because somebody found a Bible passage that says, Oh, well, you know, 
don't follow those guys or only follow the guys that God told you to follow, whatever. That's that's the challenge that all these uh, breakaway groups have is that it's very easy to say, oh, well, the Bible doesn't say that we should have a, a Jewish Supreme Court, um, even though even in the New Testament it talks about Sanhedrin and we haven't had one in 2,000 years, but the idea is still there that even though we don't have a Sanhedrin, we have rabbis who are knowledgeable enough to be able to guide people. And they're all in different communities and different perspectives. So then you have Agadah, which is folklore, exhortation, theology, and biography. It's all the stuff in the Bible that, um, that you read. You know, it's like how God created the world, the genealogical stuff, the life of David and, and Joseph. All that stuff is Agadah. So although it's, it's important and you even see people debating based on Agadah in different, uh, different texts, that has uh, a different type of authority in the sense of like you can make a case, you can even make a legal case using biblical passages, but it's still within the framework of halakha. So now you see that the legal system actually has room for narrative, for theology, for principles and values. When we, you see uh, examples of people who live a life that is holy and then it, it falls into place with the Torah. He says that uh, Halakha is the body of, of Torah and that uh, Agadah is the soul of Torah. And I find that, again, very compelling because now I heard um, a disciple of uh, Shlomo Karbach say the same thing, that, that hippies focus on spirituality, which is this kind of like um, very personal, subjective way of dealing with with the divine and then you have religionists or people who are very strict where they only focus on uh righteous living and they and one is missing the aspect of the other you can't have a soul without a, a body and you can't have a body without a soul so we have to bring it together we have to bring traditionalists and uh free-flowing spiritual people and and understand that our relation to god has to be multi-layered in the same um, paragraph, it says in the bottom, whoever possesses knowledge of Midrash, but not of Halakha, has not tasted the flavor of wisdom. Whoever possesses knowledge of Halakha, but not of Midrash, has not tasted the flavor of fear of sin. So now you have the Midrash without Halakha is wisdom, and Halakha without Midrash is no fear of sin. The Midrash, the Jewish interpretation of, of Scripture, and then you have uh, the legal aspect of scripture, which um, helps you have fear of sin. Like you, you see that there's consequences for your action. And you can say that the spiritual is the subjective dimension of religion, but um, you have the, the structure to help you participate. So in a, in a blog post, I talk about the difference between religion and faith or religion and spirituality is that religion is the communal aspect of our relationship with God. And that faith or spirituality is the personal. So you have to have both. And that's how you have a, a true religious, spiritual, or um, you know, believer. is someone who has both a community connection and a spiritual connection. In page 3, Heschel says, Study Agadah, for through it you will come to know one, the one who spoke and the world came into being, and to cling to God's ways. It's interesting that later in the book, he says that, both um, 
Espinosa, Baruch Espinosa and Moses Mendelssohn have given the world a bad impression of Judaism. They told the world that Judaism is not spiritual, that it's only legalistic, and that um, there is no uh, framework to connect with God. It's just rules and things you do. And that lie has had a great impact because now people assume Whenever you tell someone, oh, I'm Jewish, they're like, oh, so you're just a legalist, a Pharisee, and that's it. They don't understand that Judaism is way more involved than that. And to speak in biblical terms, because we can talk about Agadah and Halakha all day, but when we're dealing with people who were raised in the different religion, we have to talk in biblical terms so people understand them. So, so what I realized as I was studying this is that in biblical terms, Halakha means covenantal rules, obligations, responsibilities. So now, if you say, well, I don't follow Torah, I just follow the teachings of Jesus. Well, if you just follow the teachings of Jesus, you have a huge problem because Jesus is claimed to believe to have brought a new covenant. And even though it's, it's supposed to be different or renewed or whatever they want to call it, a covenant has responsibilities. If you look at um, all the different pacts that the, the, the gods would make with the humans in uh, Babylonian uh, religion or Egyptian religion or in Judaism, you have this idea that there's two parties who are coming into contract and the contract has responsibilities for both. So if God says, you know, I will deliver you or I would give you hope or I will create a nation, he, he made a promise that he must keep. And then as a subject to the contract or as an equal partner, you have responsibilities uh, yourself. So if Jesus uh, created this new covenant and brought God's kingdom on earth, or whatever people believe, there must be uh, some type of stipulations for the members of that covenant. And if it's only to love your neighbor or to be a good person and stuff like that, that's still some type of halakha. It's some sense of legal ruling that you abide by. Uh, the Apostle Paul talked about how Certain people who who live in ways that are not godly have no place in the, in the kingdom of God. So he uses in the negative that all these people who are not keeping up the responsibilities have lost access to, to God's kingdom, the theocratic kingdom established by Jesus where he's king, and then God the Father has a rule uh, through him and things like that. So, so that covenantal uh, aspect of the halakha of Judaism now in a, a smaller level is being implemented within the Christian community. You know, I would challenge Christians to think when they start saying, oh, well, we don't need the law and stuff like that. You got to take that into consideration because it's all based on the Jewish system. And then this idea of Agadah, to me, Jewish theology is all revelation. So the inspiration, the faith, the, the commitment to God's ways, that is the revelation that Agadah describes. So you have a, a relationship with God that is built on covenantal obligation, responsibilities, or rules, and is also built on personal revelation, spiritual engagement, and ongoing uh, desire to please God. And that makes a, a very stable relationship that it is built on uh, on something, you know, that, that, that is worthwhile. 